Hello and welcome to another episode of TOTS. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. On today's episode, we have Maka Navas. She is a martial artist, a marketing and branding specialist, and also a meditator. Maka, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. I am very excited to share all that I have to share. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for you to share it. So why don't you start out by telling me a little bit more about yourself, kind of how you grew up, and then how you got into martial arts. Okay. Um, I grew up in Santiago, Chile, and I moved uh, to the United States when I was 25 years old. Since I can remember, I had the disinterest in, in the martial arts. And of course, you see movies growing up. And I was amazed by all the movements and all that the human body could do. And um, I wanted to do karate. Karate is kind of like your uh, default martial art. So I asked my parents. I wanted to learn. They did not take me very seriously, unfortunately. So I had to wait until college when I did judo for a couple years. I was very fast. I was not very strong, but I was very fast. So that kind of played in my advantage, especially when I was training with uh, higher belts and bigger guys. Um, I'm a very small woman. So I was able to kind of go under the arms and move very quickly. After that, I moved to the U.S. and uh, I stopped uh, training until I became a personal trainer. And in the gym that I used to work at, there was a small dojo of mixed martial arts. And I would see all the little kids, three and under, or yeah, three and under, wearing their little geese, their belts, cute as they could be. (laughs) So I thought of bringing my son to martial arts. He started there and both sensei would always insist that I had to start. I was not interested. I was really doing other things till one day they were so, so persistent that I decided to give it a try. So that was the beginning. I never stopped until now. That happened about uh, about 10 years ago. I was there at the dojo for about three to four. I became a trainer for the little guys. and But I felt I was falling a little short in the training. I wanted to compete, first of all, and they did not give me the opportunity, probably because I was too old for boxing. Boxing was the, the main... Uh, martial art over there. So I decided to kind of spread my wings and move on. And I found this uh, Kung Fu school. So the Sifu there invited me for a trial class. And the minute I walked in there, I thought, this is it. I saw weapons flying Swords, spears, chain whips, nunchucks. I'm like, oh, sounds like a party. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do this. And so I was like, okay, if I want to do that, I need to really work hard 
So I became the A student, like the first of the class, the one that would show up six days a week and train on the side by myself. And that happened uh, seven years ago. Now I train with a different Sifu, uh, same uh, system, same Kung Fu system. And um, yeah, that's how, how it began. That's pretty cool. So your son kind of, you got your son into martial arts and then your son kind of got you into martial arts. <laughs> yes. Um, besides, we were uh, brand new to Chicago. It was winter. He was very young and I felt very unsafe to kind of walk the streets in the dark with hundreds of bags in my hands and a toddler. I thought, hmm, I need to, I need to do something about this and learn how to defend myself. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So you describe yourself as a small woman. Like how big are you exactly? Like how, how tall are you? I am 5'3 and 110 pounds. Okay, so being fast really had to be your advantage there. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the days, I'm not as fast anymore. I'm not <laughs> as young either. Don't ask my age. <laughs> I'm not going to tell I you. I won't. I won't. Uh, <laughs> I'll just, yeah, let me get rid of that question real quick. Um, okay, it's off. There you go. Yeah, and um, so, of course, as you age, you kind of, you're not as fast, you're not as flexible, but um, still are things that you can you can work, improve as much as you can, and um, there are other things. Um, precision is something that you can work at every age, and, um, and strength also, which are things that you need to have and Kung Fu. Right. So you mentioned you trained with, is, is it a Shifu or a Sifu? How do you pronounce that? It really depends on where in China you are. Okay. Sifu or Shifu is either, it's, it's used um, indistinctively. In the north of China, where both the Sifu are, it's um, the H is silent. Okay. So when you say Shifu or, or Sifu, whichever one you're saying, the immediate thing that comes to mind is like some old man in like a robe with a cane and like a really long beard. <laughs> and he's like some masterful teacher. Is is that kind of how things have to be if you're going to get a good Shifu to, to train you? Or is it more like, you know, just anybody that, that trains for a certain amount of time? Like what, what are the requirements behind that title, basically? Well, in, in China, you know, uh, a lot of kids go to martial arts schools, uh, wushu or kung fu schools, instead of traditional schools, especially um, families that do not have the resources to provide to their kids. They send their their kids to to live, basically, at the schools or the temples. So pretty much... I, age 15, you can be very ad advanced and be ready to to teach others. Okay. For example, both of my, my Sifu are under 35 years old. 
Really? Okay. And so it doesn't really fit the martial whole... Artists. Right. Does not really fit the whole, like, old person kind of mental image that I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> um, so you, you've trained with two different ones. You train with one currently. Uh, what is your experience like training with someone who's kind of devoted their life to martial arts? Because I would imagine that training with somebody like that has got to be a really cool experience, but also for them to be in that position, that has to be their life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting to, to train with someone that has been devoted their whole life to, to the martial arts and also from such a different culture than our culture. So to me, it's very interesting to learn and suffuse myself as much as possible with their culture and learn as much as possible from what they have to they have to say. There's a lot of respect and admiration to to people that are able to basically fly. You see them practicing and these people fly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're dealing with not not old people, but younger people under 35 who are, are flying around, they're playing with weapons, all of this stuff. Have you ever told somebody about your fascination with this and, and kind of your devotion to it and gotten like a negative reaction? Like, why the hell are you doing that? I do not get uh, negative reactions, but I get uh, a lot of comments such as, oh, if you get mad at me, are you going to punch me? Or, great, I have a bodyguard when I'm with you. Those kind of comments are probably the most common. Okay, so I, I would definitely prefer the second <laughs> one. That would make me feel really good. Like, okay, people people see me as a protector for what I'm doing. Um and you and I have had conversations about martial arts um, before and and kind of the different passions that go into it, but also the different uh, motivations behind certain things. And, and what you've really been training for is not to attack people, but it's actually to defend yourself. So could you tell me more about why it is that way versus like going on the offense? You're, you're kind of playing defense. Well, they say the best fight is the one you don't fight or something like that. I, I, I don't know exactly how the saying goes, but um, really we try to cultivate ourselves inside our inner knowledge and our inner development development rather than than training for for fighting. It's really the battle inside with your with yourself that matters and the personal challenges and the way you face them and uh, and how you grow, how you're persistent and how you are disciplined, how you are patient with yourself. Those are important values in the martial arts that can be applied to everything. And actually the word uh, Kung Fu this is not related to to martial arts. Kung fu in Chinese means hard work. So kung fu is in everything. It's uh, the way you put yourself into something and you perfect it. So 
everything is Kung Fu. And that's why I'm sure you've heard people say Kung Fu is everywhere. That is the reason. Uh, it applies to everything in life. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. There's other things, I think, too, um, you know, similar to Kung Fu, that those lessons that you learn and those skills really do translate to every other part of your life. Um, for me, it's been, you know, being a Boy Scout. I know a lot of people laugh at, you know, like, oh, they're a Boy Scout, whatever. And obviously, the Boy Scouts are dealing with a lot of crap right now with with different stuff. I shouldn't laugh, but uh, it's it's an incredibly mm -hmm. mismanaged organization. They've had assault, abuse, all of this crazy stuff. And it's it's awful to see as, as a former Boy Scout and, and, you know, as an Eagle Scout to see what's happened with the organization, things that they've covered up, these huge lawsuits. But the lessons that I did learn in scouting have prepared me for other major parts of my life. And, and parts of my life that I think without scouting, I wouldn't have been able to get through the same way. And I, I really feel a connection to what you're saying about Kung Fu when I talk about scouts, because I think they're, they're kind of both in that vein. And you touched on something, too, that I want to focus on for a minute. And you said that a lot of it is your personal journey and your struggles and, and really trying to like grow as a person. For you, what has been the most challenging part of your personal journey and, and this could be something that you've worked on and, and kind of conquered, or this could be something that you still feel like you need to work on. Um, well, the biggest challenge that I've gone through in my life was um, dealing with an eating disorder for many years, for about 15 years. And I think that the martial arts have helped me a lot in terms of connecting with my inner self, embracing myself, um, being comfortable with uh, with who I am, with expressing myself, feeling safe in the world, and also seeing my body do things that I never imagined that I was able to do has given me that power, that strength, and that motivation to continue growing and seeing my past as something that was completely needed to bring me here where I am today. Yeah, no, that's that's so important. And, and you know, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I think everyone has things in their lives that they have to deal with. And, and certainly an eating disorder is something that you know, it's a mountain that you have to conquer and, and it's a pretty big mountain too. Um, so yeah, again, thank mm -hmm. you for, sh for sharing that. Um, for you too, like seeing your body being able to do things like you were saying that you, you know, never thought it could do and, and to kind of transform, um, you know, how much do you think that Kung Fu saved your life to that extent? Well, it's, to me, Kung Fu is, one of the most important aspects in my life uh, because it's it's kind of a uh, a very graphic way to show me how through hard work how uh, through persistence and patience you have you have to be very patient um, how you can really conquer anything in in your life these are such important pillars in my life that um, 
to me, it's everything. It's, uh, I wouldn't say it has saved my life, but I would say it has completely enriched my life to, to a, a very high level. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So we mm-hmm. talk a lot about, you know, using Kung Fu for defense. It's, you know, like, like you said earlier, the best fight that you'll ever have in your life is the fight that you never have. And I think a lot of that is indicative of those pillars that you kind of touched on as part of Kung Fu. You're not in it to start something. You're not in it to, like, somebody may ask you a ridiculous question like, are you going to punch me? That That kind of stuff. You're in it for yourself and and to grow but also to defend what you're building really so the way Mm -hmm. i see kung fu and a lot of other martial arts is that's that wall that you have up that keeps you safe while you're working on something really important which is personal growth and without that wall without that protection you know whether we're talking figuratively or literally it's it's really hard Mm -hmm. to get anything done so have you ever been in a situation where you've needed to use kung fu to defend yourself either you know physically or figuratively i have been in a couple situations in which i've been very alert and ready and um, both situations i was very surprised and how first of all my brain began quickly um imagining different situations, different scenarios. What if this person does that? Then I can do that, or I can do that, or I can do that. And millions of different techniques that all of a sudden it's just this knowledge is right here, right now, ready to be uh, to be used. Another thing that I do, and you're going to laugh at this, but um, for example, if I'm in the kitchen things hardly ever fall. If something starts to fall, I catch them. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You have that that reflex. (laughs) Yes, that's awesome. That reflex is so, it's so immediate. And actually today it happened. I was um, rinsing some marbles that I used. Okay. And one rolled down. And not only I, I reached out to catch, but I... In a second, I thought this this is going to bounce, so I need to be ready for that to bounce so that I can catch it. And it did bounce, and I caught it with my other hand. And I was like, <laughs> "Wow, that is so cool!" It's like the the reflex gets really really sharp. Your mind gets um, gets really sharp, and that gives me. A lot of confidence. Of course, if if I'm in a situation like that, um, I'm not going to stay to fight. The best thing is to do is, if you're attacked, you block, you defend, and you run. Run for your life. That's and I'm sure that I can. I'm going to run as fast as as possible or grab anything, anything that you can grab to defend yourself. It's an immediate advantage that you have against your opponent. Because you you can keep that distance. The far the farther away you are from your opponent, the safer you are. So if I have a shoe, and you don't, it's it's more likely that I will hit you with my shoe, right? Than you will be able to hit me. That's awesome. 
I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And really, <laughs> if if nothing else, for, for all the benefits that Kung Fu has brought you, like, you know, feeling more secure, feeling more confident, at least, at the very least, you know, you're able to catch things in the kitchen that are falling every single time. <laughs> you're never going to drop anything. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had something similar. I feel like I'm constantly dropping things, especially like like when you're putting some sort of spread on bread or butter, you're making toast or whatever. I always drop the knife. I don't know why. It's like a mental thing. I always <laughs> drop the knife. Anyways, that's not important. You describe yourself partially as a meditator. Tell me more mm -hmm. about this this meditation. Where do you do it? Who do you do it with? How long is it? I, I know very little about meditation. Okay. Um, well, meditation is also a huge part in, in my life. I've been meditating since age 18. Um, and uh, for the first time this year, I found a place where I can meditate with some structure and, and some teaching, formal teaching. So I found um, Buddhist Thai monks. They are all over the world. They have temples everywhere in the world. And there is actually a, a temple in Chicago. And that's how I, um, I landed there. So of course, everything these days is on Zoom. And it's very exciting because sometimes we are with the monk that's in Thailand or the one that's in Netherlands or California or anywhere. And, um, and that has helped me a lot to bring myself in my mind inside my body and think about water when the water is or when it's raining and the water is all crazy moving you can't see but when it's calm you can see even the bottom right and that's exactly how how the mind is when you bring your mind back into into your center you are able to see things with much more clarity, make decisions with much more control, calmness, and, uh, and it just begins to translate into, into everything in your life. When you have situations of stress, uh, situations of anger, you are able to just Breathe in, go back to center, and then you can abstract yourself, observe, like, like if things were in a lab, and you can analyze them much more clearly. That's really cool. I think, I don't know which part of that is, is coolest, whether it's the fact that there's like a Buddhist monk center and, and temple in Chicago, whether they've figured out the monks how to use zoom and they're they're utilizing that or like what meditation can do for you but that's really cool like i i didn't know any of that existed or that that was the benefits of it how did you mm -hmm. kind of fall into that experience with the monks was this something that you were always kind of familiar with that you had always known about or was it really when you came to chicago like how, how do you find out about a, a temple like that I, to be honest, I, that's a good question because I've, I cannot remember how, 
I think I liked them maybe on Facebook. And then I started to get emails and I would be like, yeah, 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 the monks. And one day I decided to, to try it. And I felt so good, something that I had not felt ever before in my life. It was this, this happiness and peacefulness that was so fulfilling to me that I just never, never stopped. And of course you see the monks at first and you think you're here, the monks are there, these are enlightened um, above humans. And actually, no, they are, uh, they are pretty human. They get angry. Um, they laugh, they joke and, and they are not really all day meditating. They do a lot of other things. They are pretty, they're just like, just like us. And the more I know them, I work very closely with, uh, with a few of them because after, um, joining the center in Chicago, they recommended me to the center in Azusa, California. So I'm, I'm a translator there. So I have um, WhatsApp text conversations with the monks, emails. I mean, it's not like it's not like um, like you like you think it is. Just like like the um, the sifu, the old Chinese right. men, uh, the monks. They are really regular people. They are just trying to get enlightenment, and that's their job. Just like. You're trying to make your podcast better and better. I want to make my Kung Fu better better and better. They right. are trying to perfect their meditation as well. That's super cool. Now, I have to ask, this, this might be the most important question that I ask you this whole entire podcast. Do okay. Tibetan monks use emojis when they text you? I gotta know. <laughs> they do. These are not Tibetan monks, though. They, these They're are not Thai Tibetan monks. monks. Okay. They're Thai monks. Mm -mm. Okay. But they are using emojis. Thai monks. They use emojis. Yeah. Okay. So they're, they use they're the, regular they people. They use a lot of the... <laughs> they use a lot of the eight wheel. You know, the eight wheel, the Buddhist eight wheel. I don't uh, know what that is. They use that one a lot. Is it the... It's, um, it's the purple one. It's a purple okay. one. You know, by the end of the emojis, you have peace. Uh, love you have a, a lot of symbols there's one that is a wheel and it's like an eight wheel it's called the eight wheel and they use that one a lot <laughs> okay and I'm, peace too we're gonna put that up on the screen because I, I everyone needs to see this thing that's awesome that's so cool that, that the, <laughs> the monks have their own emoji like this is this is truly you know this is truly 2020 or 2021. We've we've got monks using emojis. They're in Chicago, of all places. They're they're doing it up. That's awesome. That's so cool yeah. to hear. They use also this one. The little. But they the don't know one. that this is a high five. This is not a, this is not a prayer. This is a high five. They use the high five one. But they but as a prayer. I think they don't know that it's a high five, but it. <laughs> I feel maybe a lot of religions do that. I because I've seen people use use that one both ways. I, I've seen both ways, but I don't know. Now you've got my like mind flipped upside down. I don't know if I've used that as a as a prayer thing or a high five thing before. I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> That's awesome. 
So, Maka, I just have a couple more questions for you. This is this is going to okay. be kind of a little bit of a different question. We're gonna we're gonna go off of the kung fu for a little bit. I do you do you uh, drink or no? Is that part of the kung Sometimes. fu? Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, if you were a cocktail, what cocktail would you be, or or what kind of mixed drink would you be? What what would make up Macanavas the cocktail? Um, a thirty martini. Okay. Just um, dirty I, martini. Yeah, I yeah. Um, not everybody likes a dirty martini. I'm completely fine with that. Um, and it's it's not sweet, even though I am a very sweet person, but uh, but not in the conventional um, conventional way. So I'm uh, I'm a little bit different. And, um, so yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not a taste for everybody, I guess. That's the best way to, <laughs> to describe, um, my analogy with a, a dirty martini. I like that. I like that. That's, that's pretty good. Okay. All right. <laughs> my next question for you, if you were to die tomorrow, sorry, tomorrow you don't wake up, you're just gone. What do you uh-huh. want people to remember you by? What, what in your life have you done or, or who are you as a person that you want people to remember you by? My mission is to inspire people to find themselves and grow because it's been the journey that I've been going through for my whole life. Um, from an early age, I felt very uncomfortable in the world and very unsafe. So I've had to learn to find my comfort, find myself, find my voice, uh, deal with fear, all those things. So now that I've overcome the majority or the the surface of all those things, I try to be an inspiration to others to to start that journey as well. So I would like to be remembered as, as someone that inspired others to grow and develop their themselves and become who they were born to be. We all have a mission and uh, life is very short, so we have to make the best out of it, grow, learn, and evolve hopefully to get to Nirvana one day. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. I love that. My last question for you, Maka. Are you a good person? I'm a great person. Absolutely. I spread love everywhere. I help others. Um, yeah. That's I, awesome. Yeah, I think I'm a very, a, a very good person. Absolutely. That's fantastic. That That's a beautiful answer, too. I really like that. So with that, Maka, thank you so much for coming on TOTS. I really enjoyed talking to you and hearing about the monks, uh, especially, and, and their emoji usage. I think that's so cool. So thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we will definitely make sure that we have you on in the future. Thank you so much for having me. It's um, It's been a great experience. 
I actually learned a lot about myself too on this session. You talk about yourself and sometimes you surprise yourself um, by things that are inside and you're able to, to bring out. So thank you for the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. And that is going to do it for our episode today. Thank you, the listener, so much for listening. It allows me to do what I love to do, which is talk to really cool people like Maka. If you want to check out some of our other episodes, we have a brand new website. Chris and I spent a lot of time on this thing. It is absolutely gorgeous. I know you guys are going to enjoy using it. You can find every single episode that we have ever recorded, produced, and released right on that website. It's the same link that it has always been. It's just going to be a little bit of a different website. If you want to find that, you can go to www.totspodcast.com. You can also find some information about me, about Chris, our technical producer, and our social media. If you just want to go straight to the source, though, and find our social media, just look us up at TotsCast. We will pop right up. Make sure that you follow us. If you are listening to this episode, thank you so much. But we really want you watching, too. This episode is recorded just like a lot of our other episodes. Our new mission is to try and record every single episode possible with video. If you're watching from YouTube, you're watching my beautiful face right now. So thank you for watching. I appreciate <laughs> it. If you want to check out our YouTube, just search Tots Podcast on YouTube. We will pop right up. We are trying to release once every single week. I'm, I'm making a promise to you now. I can already hear Chris yelling at me in the background. He's saying, don't make a promise. I'm making you a promise. We're going to release a fantastic episode with an incredible person every single week for season three, which we are in now. So thank you for listening. Be on the lookout for our releases of these episodes. You can get updates on all of that stuff by subscribing on our website or by looking at our social media. And I'll see you next week. Bye.